So the Bible teaches that everyone who's trusting Jesus receives spiritual gifts, abilities, which God gives us to help us serve and bless and encourage those around us. And one of those gifts is the gift of prophecy, where God brings a thought into your mind that you wouldn't have had otherwise, which when you share it with somebody else brings them great benefit. Now this gift of prophecy will often bring great, great good and encouragement to God's people. But there are times when people who claim to have this gift of prophecy and who don't, or it's not from God, can bring great harm. Let me share an illustration about how this gift of prophecy has brought great harm. Go back early 1800s, this is in the US. A young man claimed that God had told him that all the other churches were wrong in what they were teaching and that God was going to use him to correct all the churches. And so he started teaching that Jesus was not fully God, which is a lie. And he started teaching that Jesus did not die on the cross to pay for sins, which destroys the gospel. He gathered many, many thousands of followers who said he was a prophet. Two books that came from him were added to the Bible as if they had equal authority with the Bible. And thousands of people misled away from Christ, away from the gospel, away from salvation. That's an example of how someone claiming that the gift of prophecy can bring great harm. Now let me share an illustration about how the gift of prophecy from God can bring great good. Again, back to the early 1800s. And there were two Swedish immigrants in a prayer meeting in the U.S. And at that prayer meeting, somebody brought a word of prophecy that those two young men were supposed to travel to a place called Para, P-A-R-A. They didn't know where Para was. They looked it up, discovered it was a state in northeastern Brazil, to all of our Brazilian people, woohoo, uh, northeastern Brazil. They, I'm sure, spent time praying about whether this was what God was telling them or not seeking counsel from others to discern if this was God's will or not. And they ended up deciding that this was what God was calling them to do. Now, another prophecy also came that they should travel to New York and meet a man who would help them. And so they traveled to New York and a man handed them the money they needed for two one-way trip tickets to Para, Brazil. And so they went to Para, Brazil, joined a small church there, learned Portuguese, started preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And over the next years, thousands of people came to trust Jesus because of their ministry. So prophecy can be incredibly helpful or incredibly harmful. And the fact that prophecy can be harmful can make us think, well, I'm just going to stay away from that then. Too dangerous, too risky. But of course, we learned last week that that's not an option because that's not what Paul told us to do, he told us to earnestly desire spiritual gift, especially prophecy. So here's the question. How can we, Grace Church here, avoid the, the dangers of false prophecy while pursuing and enjoying and receiving the benefits of true prophecy? How can we do that? And the good news is that God tells us in the Bible how to do that. God loves us. 
and he tells us exactly what to do. And one of the passages, the one I want us to focus on this morning, is in the book of 1 John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. 1 John was written by John, an apostle, disciple of Jesus Christ, who also wrote the Gospel of John. But in addition to that, he wrote three letters to churches, and this is one of them. And in chapter 4, he warns them about false prophets who are right there in their midst, seeking to confuse them about the gospel, seeking to lead them away from the gospel. So start with verse 1. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. John writes, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, what is John urging his readers to do? The answer is right there in verse 1. Let's read it again. Two commands. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. So two commands. First of all, they must not believe every spirit, which means we should not believe everyone who claims to have a prophecy from God. Then second, they must test the spirits to see whether they are from God or not. Now, the reason we need to test the spirits is because there is such a thing as a false prophet. Not everyone who claims to be a prophet is a prophet from God. Not everyone who claims to have a prophecy has a prophecy from, from God. This is what Jesus taught us. Look at Matthew chapter 24, verse 11. John's just repeating here what Jesus said earlier. Matthew 24, 11, Jesus says, And many, underline that word in your Bibles, it's sobering, many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. That's what our Savior said. He warns us. Then look at Matthew 24, 24. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So Jesus warns us there will be many false prophets. Some of them will work false signs and wonders, miracles, and their purpose is to lead astray God's people. And Jesus teaches us this ahead of time. He warns us so that we won't be led astray. So Grace Church, 
let's pay heed to our Savior's warning. Let's not be led astray. Let's test the spirits. So John in here in verse 1 is just repeating what Jesus had already taught. Don't assume that every prophet is right. Instead, test every prophecy. But now that raises a second question, of course. How do we test the prophets? The answer is in verses 2 and 3. Look at what John says. By this you know the Spirit of God. Here's how you can tell. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now, there's other possible ways that people could teach something false, but this is the situation that John's readers were facing in their city at that time. His churches were facing a group of false prophets who were teaching that Jesus had not come in the flesh. He was maybe just some sort of a spirit being kind of hovering, but he didn't be born of a, of a virgin, take on a, a physical human fleshly body. And what they taught in saying that is false. That is a lie. That is a deception. And not only is it false, it is destructive. Because if Jesus didn't come in the flesh, then Jesus didn't die on the cross. And if he didn't die on the cross, then we are still guilty in our sins, facing judgment from God forever. So this goes to the very heart of the gospel here. It's false and it's destructive, this false teaching. Of course, the good news is those false prophets were false. Jesus did come in the flesh. He took on a human body, and one of the reasons he did that was exactly so that he could suffer and die on the cross, being punished in our place for our sins. And so the wonderful news is that because of what Jesus has done, you can be completely forgiven for all of your sins by trusting Jesus, trusting him as your Savior, as your Lord, as your treasure. You turn from your sin, you trust Jesus forgiven all of your sins, past, present, future, glorious truth. But what these false prophets were saying destroyed that message, confused that message, watered down that message, and anyone who followed them was walking away from salvation towards judgment. So if John readers, if John's readers heard someone say, I think God's telling me that we all need to know that Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh, John's readers, readers would know it's not from God. They're not speaking from God. That's not the gift of prophecy. That's false. They would know. That's how they should test these prophets that were in their city at that time. Now, John wants us to feel just how serious this is. So let's ask, how dangerous are these false prophets? Look at the end of verse 3. He says, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Okay, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, John says. This is how serious it is, church. He's saying, this is the spirit of the Antichrist. The Bible is clear that at the end of history, the Antichrist will come. The Antichrist is a satanically empowered leader who will oppose the work of Jesus Christ, deny the truth of the gospel, mislead people with what he says and miracles that he works, Jesus will return and destroy him, but he will 
bring tremendous damage before that takes place. But here, John says, not just that the Antichrist will come in the future, he says that the spirit of the Antichrist, Satan himself, is already at work in the world right now. And it's this spirit of the Antichrist, it is Satan himself who is behind these false prophets. So just feel how serious this is. There were false prophets that that group of believers knew of who were being motivated and empowered and led by satanic forces seeking to deceive people. Now let me just take a little pause here and I want to make sure we don't misunderstand what this might mean. I mean, you could hear this and say, okay, now if that's true, and it is, if that's true, then I'm never going to share any spiritual gift in the home group. I'm never going to share anything. Certainly not Saturday morning. Are you kidding me? I mean, if I get something wrong, that would mean I'm from Satan. Okay, well, that, that's not what John is saying here. We need to make an important distinction here. John is not talking about someone making a mistake. He's talking about someone deliberately denying biblical truth. That's what he's talking about. Anyone who does that is from Satan. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. But that's not the case with someone who's just making a mistake. And, and you can tell that. I mean, so if, if you share something in your home group and, and it's, it's off biblically, I mean, you don't, you're not doing it deliberately. Your home group leader privately will say, hey, let's just open up the scripture. I want, I want to show you. Here's this verse and here's this verse. And you'll say, oh, thank you. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I never read that verse. Okay, this is good. And it's all good, right? But that's not what John's talking about here in terms of these false prophets. They are not just mistaken. They know exactly what the Bible is teaching, and they hate what the Bible is teaching. And they're going to oppose and confuse and water down what the Bible is teaching to try to destroy God's people. So understand, though, a war is being fought in this world for the souls of men and women. And the, the weapon that sets them free, or to change analogies, the, the key that unlocks the chains of unbelief and satanic enslavement, the, the, the key that unlocks them, that sets them free, is the biblical gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why Satan hates the gospel. He hates the biblical gospel. And so he seeks to distort it and to confuse it and to destroy it. So false prophecy, like John is talking about here, is a real danger. That's why we must test prophecies. And that's why John wants us to understand how serious this is. We're talking about the spirit of the Antichrist here, Satan himself. So John wants us to feel this is serious. So are we feeling that? Do you feel how serious this is? The lives of men and women are at stake. Us being misled and drawn away from Christ is at stake. The stakes could not be higher here. So John wants us to take this seriously, but he does not want us to be frightened about it. Okay? No frightening. And, and, and to help us with that, in verse 4, he answers the question, why should we not fear these satanically inspired prophets. I love what John writes in verse 4. This is so tender and 
Just sweet. It says, little children. You can just hear him saying, no, no, don't be afraid. Little children, listen, you are from God. And you have overcome them already. You have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Take it seriously, but don't be afraid. The reason we do not need to fear them is because God, listen to this, so important, is infinitely more powerful than Satan. There's just no contest. You put Satan up against God, Satan's just poof, gone. I mean, no contest whatsoever. God is infinitely more powerful than Satan. And because you're trusting Jesus, you have the, the spirit of God dwelling in you. And that's how you overcome the spirit of the Antichrist. Now, how have we overcome them? How? John says, you, you've all already overcome Satan, his demons, the spirit of the Antichrist. How? I, see if these two illustrations make sense. The Satan behind these prophets is the same Satan who tried to make you stay home this morning. Right? And here you are. Okay? You overcame him. Or the same Satan who's behind these false prophets is the Satan who this last week tempted you with bitterness, maybe, or jealousy, or anger towards someone, or greed, or lust. And when you opened up the scriptures and prayed over God's promises, the Holy Spirit came and, and you were set free. So everyone who's trusting Jesus has overcome these powers. So take them seriously, see what's at stake, but don't be afraid. No, 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 no fear. He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. So how then do we overcome these false prophets? What do we do? Because the same one, the same Holy Spirit who helps us overcome I don't want to go this morning, or I'm jealous. The same Holy Spirit who helps us overcome those will help us overcome these false prophets. So how? John tells us in verses 5 and 6, very powerful verses. Look at what he says. They are from the world, these false prophets. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God, all you readers here in, in, in the, the, who are reading this letter from John at that church, whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now when John says we are from God, we have to ask the question, who's the we? Who's he talking about here? And, and I think he's talking about the apostles. He's an apostle. He's talking about himself and the rest of the apostles. Now, before I, I explain why I believe that's what John is saying, let me talk about what an apostle is, just so that we're clear. This is very important for us to understand who the apostles are in the New Testament. There are two qualifications for apostles. One is that you see the resurrected Jesus so that you can be a witness of his resurrection. And two, that Jesus himself has called you. I'm calling you to be an apostle. Be my witness. Two qualifications. You've seen the resurrected Jesus, and Jesus has called you, appointed you to be an apostle. Now, we know that there are no more apostles because Paul said he was the last one. 
So there's a set group. So the apostles would have included Matthew, for example, right? And Peter, Paul, John, who wrote this letter, okay? The apostles. And Jesus specially gifted these apostles with the ability to speak and write perfect truth from God. Perfect truth from God. Now, we know this because of what Jesus says in John 14, 26. Look at this scripture. This is so important. So we're talking about who the apostles are, and then I'll give you my reasons for why I think the we in verse 6 is the apostles. In John 14, 26, Jesus is talking to the apostles. Judas had left. It's the 11. Jesus is talking right to them. And look at what he says. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Now, Jesus is talking here to the apostles. So this is a promise that he makes to them. This is not a promise he makes to every believer. Has Jesus reminded you of everything that Jesus said? No, not me, okay? That was a promise given to those who had heard Jesus. And so Jesus is promising. The Holy Spirit will teach you everything and will bring into your remembrance everything that I said, which means that they spoke and wrote perfect truth from God. They spoke and wrote exactly what Jesus wanted them to speak and write. What the Apostle Paul wrote in his letters was exactly what Jesus wanted him to write. What John wrote in this letter is exactly what Jesus wanted him to write. What Matthew wrote in his gospel was exactly what Jesus wanted him to write. So what they wrote is scripture, and that's how we have the New Testament. And I think that verse 6, the word we, is referring to the apostles. Now let's read it over again, then I'll give you my reasons and see if you agree. Verse 6, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, there's two main reasons why I think the we here is apostles. First reason is this, because that's how John uses the word we in the beginning of this letter, 1 John. Look at 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I want you to notice in these verses, very beginning of this letter, 1 John, notice that John is talking about the apostles. The we is the apostles, the you is his readers, the readers of this letter. Verse 1, John says, That which was from the beginning, which is Jesus and his message, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. He's talking about Jesus here. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So the we in this passage is the apostles, and the you in this passage is those reading this, this letter. 
And since that's how John uses the word we and you in the beginning, that opens the door to the possibility that that's how he's also using it in verse 6. And I think what clinches it is my second reason. It's that the we in verse 6 are those whose teaching distinguishes truth from error. The we is those whose teaching makes the difference. says, this is truth, this is error. They're teaching. Read verse 6 again. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Well, that's the apostles, right? That is, any believer, the spirits change their hearts, they love Jesus, they trust Jesus, and they love hearing the apostles called by Jesus to speak perfect truth from God. So whenever an apostle speaks, whenever an apostle writes, yes. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, who listens to the apostles, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of the error, uh, spirit of error. So do, do you see how that works in this passage? The us is the people whose teaching distinguishes truth from error, and in the New Testament, whose teaching distinguishes truth from error, it's the apostles appointed by Jesus. So we're asking the question, how do we overcome false prophets? And the answer in verses 5 and 6 is, by listening to the apostles. By listening to the apostles. And, and how do we listen to the apostles today? By reading the Bible. Reading the Bible. The apostles wrote the books of the New Testament, and in those books they also say that the whole Old Testament is perfect truth from God. So the, the apostles say we should read the Bible. So the Bible is our supreme authority. The Bible is. Prophecy is not our supreme authority. The Bible's up here. Prophecy is very helpful and is a gift from God, but it's down here. It needs to be judged by the Bible. If a prophecy doesn't fit the Bible, it's not from God. Very clear. So prophecy is not our supreme authority. Let me just also throw in, our feelings are not our supreme authority. Well, that can't be true. It just doesn't feel right. Well, our feelings, have your feelings ever been wrong? Church, mine have a few times in the last five minutes, okay? So the Bible is our supreme authority. Now think back to my first illustration in America, those thousands of people misled by this young man who was teaching that Jesus was not fully God and that he did not die on the cross to pay for sins. If those thousands of people would have paid heed to the apostles, paid heed to the Bible, they would not have walked away from Jesus into destruction. God loves us. He tells us very clearly how we can avoid being misled. And we need to pay heed to the apostles. And because we're paying heed to them, to the whole Bible. So Grace Church, we need to know the Bible. It's not enough that the elders know the Bible or your home group leaders know the Bible. Praise God for the home group leaders we have. But every one of us needs to be studying and learning and growing in the Bible. That will strengthen all of us as all of us are studying, reading the Bible, memorizing the Bible, praying over the Bible, loving the Bible, learning the Bible. That's how we overcome false prophets. Anyone who listens to the Bible is from God. Anyone who does not listen to the Bible is not from God. It's very clear. Okay, so there's 
1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Now let's take that passage and let's apply it. Now here we are at Grace Church. How do we test prophecy then today? What, what steps do we take? Let me talk about this. Let's pick an example. Let's say that, that you hear somebody who says they think God's told them that in the year 2022, next year, the world economy is going to crash terribly. Let's say somebody prophesies that. What should you do about that? How should you respond to that? Well, first... See if it fits Scripture, right? That's what John is saying here. See if it fits Scripture. Scripture is the authority. And there will be lots of ways that, that you can filter out false prophecies when you test the Scripture. Now, in this case, though, the Bible doesn't ever talk about the economy in the year 2022. So you can't really test the prophecy like that with Scripture. Start there. Test every prophecy with Scripture. But in this case, the Bible doesn't talk about what happens in the year 2022. So we need to go to another test. And Jesus gave us a second test. Check the prophet's fruit, is what he says. Look at what he writes. Matthew 7, 15 through 16. Matthew 7, 15 through 16. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Tender, gentle, bah, sheep. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Arr, right? That's who they are. You will recognize them, not by well, what kind of clothing are they wearing, by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So you'll know whether a prophet is false or true by looking at their fruit. That's another test. So if this person is part of Grace Church, you know that okay, they're a member of Grace Church. They're part of a, of a home group. They're, they're walking with Christ. I know them. They're not sinless, but they're, they're battling any sin that's in their, in their lives. I mean, you, you, you've seen there's a, maybe a track record of prophecy that's been helpful for people or maybe something that they foretold that came true. Okay, so you can, you can know a prophet by their fruits. Now, if it's, if it's someone who's just you're listening to on YouTube, then it's harder. But still, here's some questions you could ask. Are they part of a local church? Are they part of a church community? People know them? Are they accountable to that church's elders? That's, that's helpful. It's important. Do they have a track record of faithfulness at that church? Is there, a, is there a track record of fruitfulness in terms of prophecy in that church? Right. Jesus says, test them by their fruits. We should never just listen to a prophecy that somebody has on some social media and just say, well, that must be true. Test the fruits. Test their fruits. That's what Jesus said. This is our Lord. He loves us. That's what he tells us to do. Now, even if a prophecy passes the scripture test and passes the fruit test, there's a third crucial step, and that's seek confirmation from God. You seek confirmation from God. This is so important. Let me illustrate it like this. This might sound a little strange, but bear with me. Let's say somebody comes up to you, you're a single person, and they say, I, I think God's told me that you're supposed to marry that person right over there. Is it right there? Right there. You think, wait, who? Oh. Okay, <laughs> or no, or whatever, it might be, okay. Now, don't ever do something just because somebody has had a word of prophecy for you. They don't want you to do that. If, if, they're, if they're understanding the scriptures, they don't want you to do that. They're just seeking to be obedient to what they think maybe God, God said to them. So, so what should you do? Seek confirmation from God. So if somebody walks up to you and says that, you should say, thank you for sharing that. And I, I am going to pray about that, and I, and I will think about that. 
Thank you very much. And then that's what you do. So you pray about it. God, is, is that from you? Give me wisdom about that. He will give you wisdom. Ask your home group leader for counsel. What, what do you think about this? Ask other respected people in the body of Christ for counsel, for, for their wisdom. He will give you the wisdom to know whether it's from him or not. See, God does not want you to be following a prophet. He wants you to follow him. He will confirm anything to you. Father, is that you? He wants you following him. Not some man, not some woman. Him. So important. So there's three tests. The scripture test, the fruit test, the confirmation test. That's what the scriptures give us. Now, understand the spiritual gift of prophecy can bring us great help, as I've shared earlier. But when it's abused, it can bring great harm. And the fact that it can bring great harm does not mean we should stay away from it. That's not what the Bible says. Yes, it can bring great harm, but Paul says earnestly desire it. And especially seek it. Ask for it. That's what Paul says. So we shouldn't stay away from it, but we should test it. Pray for it. Share it. Test it. That's what God calls us to do. And as we do, he will give us wisdom. We will avoid the dangers here at Grace Church, and we will receive the benefits. That's what God wants us to do. That's what the apostles tell us to do. So let's all pay heed, Grace Church, to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. He says, pursue love. This is all for the sake of love. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So desire and pray for all the gifts. We'll be talking about those next weeks, going through them one by one. Desire and pray for them all, especially for prophecy. So ask God, Lord, give me a prophecy for my, my wife today, or for my husband, or for my children. Lord, give me a prophecy for my home group that would just build them up and encourage them, or somebody in my home group, or maybe for Saturday morning for, for all of Grace Church. Lord, give me whatever would help them and benefit them and bless them. That's what we pray for. Now let me close with an example. Yesterday, I was feeling a bit discouraged, uh, more, dis more discouraged than usual, about just, just the advance of the gospel and it, no, nothing huge, nothing big, but just a lot of little things that ah, just ah, weren't going very well, troubled me. I was discouraged. And I get a text in the afternoon that a woman in our church here sensed that she had a word of prophecy for the elders. And so I read that word of prophecy. It was very encouraging. Um, touched on some th exactly things I was discouraged about that I'd been praying about. But, but here's how she summarized it in the text. I think the general message from God is not to be discouraged. Keep going with the good work. God is working. That really helped me. Isn't it kind of the Lord to have somebody in the church hear that from God and pass it on to, to the elders? So Grace Church, let's pursue love. Let's earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Let's especially earnestly desire that we can prophesy. Let's stand together. I'll pray. Father, we want to follow your word and pursue the gift of prophecy correctly. So Lord, help us to be wise in testing with scripture, with fruit, with discernment, 
And by doing that, would you protect us from the dangers and would you pour out the benefits, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.